0: You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day.
0: You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you the finest Chicago Bears talk I think this internet has to offer. And if this podcast just isn't enough for you, you can find my work over at bearswire.com. And there's always, always, always more Bears talk on my Twitter at CoxSports1. That's C-O-X, sports, and the number one. We're kicking off this week with the latest edition of Mock Draft Monday, where we take a whole episode here to catch up on the latest in the world of the NFL draft. Today, I'll be joined by my friend Joe Marino from NDT Scouting to look at some of the winners and losers of the NFL Combine, and of course, we'll be focused on players could be good fits with the Chicago Bears. A quick programming note, next Monday will be the start of the free agent tampering period, and so we probably won't be doing our usual mock draft Monday edition if we see the Bears strike early here in free agency, you know Locked on Bears is your podcast destination for free agent analysis, whoever the Bears signs or trade for, depending on how that plays out, we will be breaking it all down, and the NFL Draft Talk will definitely pick back up and get full swing in the weeks to follow. But as we all know, the NFL Combine is the big story of the weekend, so let's get right into it. Joining me now on Locked On Bears is my good friend Joe Marino. He does NFL draft work for NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports. He is also the host of the Draft Dudes podcast with Kyle Krabs from NDT Scouting. It's a great listen if you want some in-depth NFL draft analysis. I definitely recommend you go there and check that out. You can also follow him on Twitter at the Joe Marino M-A-R-I-N-O. Joe, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing?
1: Hey Lauren, I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, the invitation to come on the podcast. Always enjoy talking football with you. So, uh, this should be fun.
0: Well, it's Combine Week and it's a bit of a holiday for NFL draft fans and analysts alike. It's the last big milestone before the big dance in, in what, late April this year. And it's been a pretty exciting week so far. We've seen a lot of guys blow up at their respective positions and make some pretty big numbers. We're recording this on Sunday night, so we won't have seen the defensive backs run on Monday's drills, but on Sunday we got to see the linebackers, the defensive linemen, the edge rushers, the outside linebackers, however you want to classify the positions. We got to see the guys that get after the quarterback. And and while that's still kind of fresh on us, I want to start there. You know, Who out of this group do you think impressed you the most, maybe based on what you were expecting?
1: Yeah, you know, I think maybe the, the name that stood out was Josh Wett from Florida State. I mean, he he came in and ran sub four six. He jumped thirty nine and a half inches. Uh, he he's got some really good length to him. Uh, let's see here thirty thirty four and five eighth inch arms. And um, you know he's a player that came into college super highly touted. He was a, like the number one recruit in the nation out of high school. But then he tore his uh. His ACL actually dislocated his knee his senior year of high school and had another knee injury after that, and so it's it's always been you know that he's just been this tantalizing guy that we've been waiting to see just how athletic he is and you know he flashed a lot on tape and especially this past year at Florida State, but um, to see him come in and put up these types of numbers and move like he did now he didn't get a chance to do any of the drills he sat those out but from a testing perspective. You know, we're looking for these athletic guys, and outside of Bradley Chubb, it was somewhat of a a race to see who the next three, four, five guys are. And I think Josh Sweat definitely made a case to be considered in that conversation.
0: It seems like the list after Bradley Chubb, when you're projecting, you know, first round picks, and maybe you know, you start to get near that top ten range. I mean, it seems like Chubb is is the one in the top five of the group, and then everybody else is sort of fighting for that second and third position that might be up in that area. And it seemed like Harold Landry did a lot today to boost his stock. What are your thoughts on what he did in 2017 versus his 2016 tape? And what did you think of the way he was able to move out there today?
1: Yeah, it's almost like uh, 2017 was a year of tape you have to throw out for Harold Landry because you just knew his ankle wasn't right. And the player that we saw in 2016 is the player that was – you know, if you want to see him when he's at his best, you got to watch 2016 tape. And you know, his production was off the chart, and his ability to win around the edge was very, very consistent. And uh, he looks like he's healthy now because he certainly had a really strong showing. Uh, four six, did he run yeah, four six four? I think he had a sub one six ten yard split. Um, but uh, a three cone drill was really good. Six eight eight. But I really liked what he did in drills in terms of his controlled speed. Right, It's one thing to be fast, but if you can't control it, then it doesn't help you at all. His ability to be fluid, show that burst, and be able to control it and really carry his speed through tight angles is something that was really evident at the combine. And when you watch a 2016 tape, his ability to really just flatten and get around that edge was something that we saw over and over again. So now that he's fully healthy You know, his sizzle faded a little bit after a a season that didn't have the same level of production that we saw in years past. Uh, I think he kind of recaptured a lot of that with how he performed on Sunday.
0: I know you're still finalizing a lot of your draft work for your draft guy that goes out with NDT scouting, but as of right now, is he your number two edge behind Bradley Chubb or how does that shake out for you?
1: I think there's going to be a little bit of a gap between the next guys. I think that's where the Sam Hubbards and the Marcus Davenport's. And the Josh Sweat of the world kind of come in Arden Key in that in that third tier. So it's like Chubb, We got a little gap. We got Landry. We got a gap, and then we got this next tier guys.
0: Would you consider Landry in the top ten? Like, at, would he? Um, if you were GM, would he be in consideration with the eighth overall pick for the Bears?
1: No, not for me. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in play starting at like Green Bay at fourteen. Um, but for me, I. I the way I evaluate, I very much discriminate against guys that I don't think are very complete players. And I really love Landry and his burst and quickness around the edge and his flexibility, his bend. I love it. He he He's going to be a consistent pass rusher, but I don't see a lot of variance with his pass rush. And so, uh, I discriminate against his lack of counters and consistency with his hands. And quite honestly, just that he's, you know, he's going to have to improve as a run defender. He's not a very big, uh, player. And, um, He played a lot with his hand in the dirt in college, and so you kind of project him more in a stand-up role, and I need to see it. So uh, some of the unknowns with him and and some of the lack of variance with his pass rush pushes him down a a bit for me. Certainly love the burst and bend and flexibility, but I I don't see necessarily a complete player yet. When you're looking at
0: potential candidates here for that eighth overall pick or if the Bears end up moving, a lot of Bears fans have been keying in on Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech he played a lot of inside linebacker there some people project him to be more of an edge player because of his size and some of the pass rushing traits that he showed but it wasn't necessarily something he did quite a bit so I guess two-part question for you here is he your number one linebacker or do you do you plug him in at the edge Where, where would you use him in the NFL and what type of draft range would you see
1: He's a linebacker, an off-ball linebacker for me all day long. I, I mean, I get it. He's got 34-plus-inch arms, six four, two fifty three. 253. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you look for in an edge rusher. Runs a four five five forty 40-yard dash. But this guy has so much success off the ball, and I, and I think that's where he wins. That's where he showed us he wins. And there's times when he rushed in college just on blitzes and stuff, and you don't see the technique and, and ability to really get around blocks uh, that you need in a pass rusher. So if I got a guy that has those type of – of uh, athleticism and he wins off the ball. I like him there. Now he's still got to develop a little bit as a processor and reading his keys and attacking uh, with consistency. But my goodness, his physical upside is tremendous. He is a playmaker. I think he's got really good range. You know, we, we talk about today's uh, linebackers being able to cover ground because of the spread offenses and how much they challenge you to defend every blade of grass on the field. Well, Edmonds is a guy that has the movement skills and the size and the length to be a factor. I love how that uh, translates to pass coverage where he's in zones and he can really uh, slide into to throwing windows and take them away just because he's so long and he moves so well. And then also, if you need a guy that can carry a tight end into space, these big, you know, athletic tight ends that the NFL offers, this is a guy that can counter with him and carry him down the seam. So he does so much for me off the ball. Uh, that I I have no desire to try him elsewhere. Uh, And in terms of where I value him, I think he's one of the blue chippers in this class. You know, we talk about Saquon Barkley and Quentin Nelson and and Bradley Chubb, uh, those types of guys right there at the top. But, I mean, like he's just – he's right there. He's right outside of that – that, uh, that range kind of the blue chippers in this class. He's a guy that I'm very comfortable in the top 10. You know, I've, I've traditionally been mocking him to uh, Oakland or, or San Francisco, but, uh, you know, that's right behind the Bears at eight. And so uh, definitely think he would be in play if, if Chicago went off ball. And, um, you know, I think he'd be a great fit.
0: Last week, we had your fellow NDT scouting co-worker, John Ledyard, on the podcast, and he was raving more about Roquan Smith than Tremaine Edmonds. He thought that Edmonds would have a big combine and that hype would continue to grow for him, but he was a little bit more keen on sort of the floor that Roquan gives you along with the athleticism, even if it's not quite at that size. How far behind Edmonds is Roquan Smith for you, and what did you think of the way Roquan ran at the combine?
1: Yeah, not far. He's not far behind, and and, and I think, you know, it's a one a one b thing. But I do think I like Edmonds better just because I've kind of always subscribed to if you've got two similarly similarly rated players, you kind of go with the one that's bigger. And, and so Edmonds gives you that size element to go with uh, a very complete linebacker skill set roquan's great man he's i think the biggest thing he did at the combine was check in at 236 pounds you know he we didn't have to worry about him being like a 225 pound backer you know he, he's 236 almost 6'1", uh 10 inch hands he ran 451 and unfortunately we only got to see him run 140 yard dash because he tweaked the hammy and, and pretty much didn't do anything else so um he validated the speed that we saw on tape and um you know, if you, he's just kind of like a firecracker on the second level, a guy that's sideline to sideline and closes so quick. And, and he's so decisive in the way that he shoots and, and really gets ahead of uh, blocks, man. I, I like him a lot. I just don't think he gives you the same physical upside that you get from Edmonds.
0: Well, it seemed like a lot of these playmaking defensive players really moved the, their draft stock in the positive direction. But when we saw the combine on what would have been Saturday when the receivers and, and running backs and quarterbacks were out there performing, a couple of guys maybe didn't have the day that we would have wanted to see. And one of them, Calvin Ridley, seemed to be the headliner. Obviously, he's probably the most commonly mocked player to the Bears in mock drafts at that eighth overall pick, putting the, the wide receiver need to the team with the biggest wide receiver, or the the best wide receiver to the team with the biggest wide receiver need. But he kind of goes out there and stumbles in the 40-yard dash and doesn't have the dominating athletic performance that we thought we might have seen on tape. What did you think of the way he ran and, and how much stock do you put in that
1: compared to what he did at Alabama? Well, I, I think when we watched him at Alabama, I don't think anybody questioned his ability to separate and run clean routes and get burst in and out of his breaks. And so while you know the combine is an important piece of, of the process here, I'm not going to overlook just how well he separated against SEC competition with consistency. You know, I think probably the most disappointing thing outside of the workout, obviously he didn't jump well. His his, uh, 40 was okay. Uh, average kind of three cones and, and really kind of a poor short shuttle time. Uh, that He wasn't that big, right? So he was under 190 pounds, checked in at 189, less than 32-inch arms. And so he just doesn't give you that size factor that you're looking for. And, you know, we're talking about top 10 wide receiver. You know, you got to be like Julio Jones or, or an A. Green or Sammy Watkins-type physical talent. And, and I, you're not getting that from Calvin Ridley. And, you know, I think that he certainly didn't help himself. I'm not sure he hurt himself because his tape speaks for itself, but I don't think he helped himself. And, um, you know, he he certainly invited some other candidates to the top of the uh, wide receiver board uh, based on what happened on uh, Saturday.
0: If you were going to pick the candidate that is closest behind him, because it seems like in this wide receiver class, we've got a lot of different guys sort of in this you know, two through ten rank on the wide receivers that can kind of, you, you know, you ask five draft analysts and they'll give you five different wide receiver <laughs> rankings. Who, who's coming up there breathing down his neck number two for you?
1: You know, I, I've got to take two options here. I can't just give you one because it's so close for me. The first one is probably Cortland Sutton from SMU, 6'3", 218, uh, 455, 40-yard dash, jump 35 inches. He's got a better three-cone and short shuttle than uh, Ridley, who's uh, considerably smaller. Um, and I just like this tape. You know, this is a big receiver that also has really good agility, and he he gives you that hip sync and ability to turn and separate out of his breaks. It's easy to slap these big wide receivers with these these labels that they can't separate, but uh, that's not true for Cortland. Sutton. He's actually pretty good after the catch, and he gives you a, a nice uh, dimension as a blocker. I know that doesn't get too, people too excited mentioning blocking skills as a receiver, but you do get that from Cortland Sutton. Uh, so if you're looking for that big body kind of that that prototypical X receiver that you know can can win in a possession-type role, create after the catch, and win vertically, I think you get that from Cortland Sutton. The other guy's DJ Moore out of Maryland. Uh, I was nervous he was going to be like five ten. Well, he's checked in at six foot, two hundred and ten pounds. And he ran really well, 4-4-2, 39 half inch vertical, 11 broad. Um, and uh, you just love his tape. You know, he's a guy that is in the mold of like a golden Tate, Steve Smith-type receiver that uh, just the way that they attack the football like an alpha despite not being an overly tall, you know, catch radius-type guy, you know, I just, just love that. He's super creative after the catch. He's physical after the catch. Really good hands. Love the way he adjusts. To passes, you know, he doesn't require good throws, and that's good because he didn't get them at Maryland. He they were down to their third quarterback this year, and he still put up over a thousand yards in the Big Ten, and he was the only receiver in the Big Ten that eclipsed a thousand yards this year on on a bad offense with with literally you know the third quarterback for the entire season. So love that about him, and I uh, thought he had a good day. So if if there's two guys breathing down the neck of Calvin Ridley, if not passing him, DJ Moore, Maryland, Cortland Sutton from SMU.
0: Well, the guy that caught some headlines himself for leading the way in the 40-yard dash was DJ Chark from LSU, and we've kind of seen this in recent years with LSU receivers, you know, because the quarterback hasn't been very consistent – you know sometimes they fly under the radar a little bit we saw you know Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham go to the NFL and have pretty immediate success a couple of years ago and then you know Malachi Dupree ended up being the only one drafted last year and he didn't quite you know as much as he had fans in the draft community maybe he didn't quite step on as much as people thought what are your thoughts on how uh, a guy like DJ Chark performed today I mean we know he had speed on tape but did the 434 surprise you and and how do you think he'll project in the NFL
1: well, I mean, anytime a guy runs low four threes, you know, you, you, you realize that that is uh, that special speed, and and so I thought he'd run around a four four, but you know, in the lower four threes is pretty special. Um, I think you made a good point there, Lauren. He, we knew he was fast. If you watch his tape, his ability to get behind the secondary was never in question. And the only problem is that he didn't have a quarterback that could consistently get him the football. Uh, I actually love him as a blocker. Again, I know that's boring, but he's a really good blocker and he's been a very solid special teams player. I thought he was more of a Mac Hollins type prospect coming in and just because I thought he was a bit raw. Some of his route running in terms of how he, uh, how he runs in breaking and out breaking patterns is not the same, uh, level of success as he separates vertically when he's challenged really to kind of run in that straight line. So still need to see him become more of a complete route runner and a more consistent, uh, finisher with his hands. Um, uh, so I think he needs some work, obviously he's, he's got the physical upside, uh, to develop and, and give you that vertical dimension. But, um, you know, I don't know if he's a complete wide receiver yet. And, um, it's going to be easy to to you know move him up the board based on him running fast, but I think we knew he was fast and uh, still need to see more of a complete skill set. Uh, but you know, credit to him, he jumped well and, and ran a great forty time.
0: One last guy here before I let you go. You know, a lot of people were looking at James Washington as someone who needed to run fast, and you know because he's undersized i mean at least vertically and a little bit thicker of a wide receiver prospect you know they, you want him to be more athletically dominant to really separate himself from the pack were you disappointed with his 40 time at all you think he was in the mid four five range or was that more about what you were expecting and, and how does that compare to what you see on tape
1: yeah i think it It was what I was expecting. The disappointment comes in because you kind of hoped it was less and that. You know, this was kind of more of just a pure guy that we knew could blow by coverage because if you watched him at Oklahoma State over the last three years, this guy was running uh, down the middle of the field. Didn't seem like anyone was near him. And uh, and so, you know, it's not necessarily because he's just a straight-line burner. But, you know, there's something to be said for his ability to run really nuanced route stems that – he does a lot to win vertically outside of just running straight in a fast line. And I think that speaks to, you know, some of his nuances a route runner. I, you know, you, we've seen these types of players that can win vertically, but aren't necessarily burners, guys like Miles Austin, Donald Driver, uh, come to mind in that department and um, I think he's more that type of guy you know he's just he's just a different type of vertical receiver I uh, love the way that he he competes at the catch point I mean he's got really good ball skills he's got that alpha mentality to to go get it so um, he didn't show us that he's faster than we think he is He he proved that he's about as fast as we thought but For James, it's always been about his nuance as a route runner that that led to that vertical separation. And uh, whatever you thought about James Washington entering the combine, it shouldn't really change based on what he did because uh, he just didn't show you that he was faster than you thought, and I don't have any problems with that.
0: Well, James Washington has nuances on his route running, and you have excellent nuance in your NFL draft analysis, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Remind my listeners again where they can follow you on Twitter and and what it is you do for NDT Scouting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely doing a lot of work with FanRag Sports and NDT Scouting. Uh, I'm the assistant director at NDT Scouting and really proud of uh, the work that our staff is putting in to cover the 2018 NFL draft. So first of all, encourage you to check out NDTScouting.com. Uh, put out a lot of content on a daily basis, to be honest with you. And the best way to keep track of all of that is by hitting that follow button on Twitter. My handle is at Marino.
0: Well, Joe, it was a pleasure. Your analysis was spot on, and I appreciate you coming on.
1: Absolutely, Lauren. Anytime. Thank you.
0: Thanks again to Joe Marino for his great detailed NFL draft analysis there. If you enjoyed our conversation, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're using right now. And if you are so inclined, do us a favor and tell a fellow Bears fan about Locked on Bears. That's really the best way you can help us grow the show and continue to bring great guests like Joe onto the podcast. You can also like Locked on Bears on Facebook and follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Bears. Join us again tomorrow because we will be starting a deep dive here into the upcoming free agent group. We're going position by position, and tomorrow we're breaking down all the wide receivers. With Matt Harmon from NFL.com He's definitely a a big name guest here And he's going to bring some incredible analysis He charts wide receivers for a project he does called Reception Perception And he also works heavily with Next Gen Stats So he brings in some high quality analysis And I promise you are not going to want to miss tomorrow's podcast Plus, every time you tune in to Lockdown Bears It's another excuse to bear down